This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. NFL Draft in the rearview mirror over the last couple weeks. We have been breaking down from every single angle, eight podcasts recapping every single division. Obviously, we had recaps each of the night of the NFL Draft. We've had Dynasty Rookie Rankings immediately after Draft Weekend. Uh, Last episode, I did 38 UDFA sleepers, you should know, for Deep Dynasty Leagues. And tonight, request of of a listener a couple weeks ago was, would I do Dynasty Rookie Ranking tiers? And I've done a couple drafts now myself, so now like it's always good to kind of put my rankings to the test of doing drafts. So now that was a good time to kind of update my rankings a little bit more. And then also break it up into tiers. So uh, what I'm going to go through tonight is is my own tiers. This is what I use in my drafts now. It's, you know, I, I like tier-based drafting. I do it for all my redraft leagues. I think it also helps for Dynasty Rookie Drafts, right? To kind of catch, uh, you know, if you see a, a run and a tier, you know, drying up to to make a trade up. And and that's something that, that I often try to do. So just kind of share my, my process a little bit here and, and share what my tiers would be for this rookie class. I'm actually going to bring it up and, and, and uh, screen share. If you are someone who gets the premium notebooks, you now have access to this and, and then the updates that I make to it. Uh, but it does, you know, it is in there, but I do want to share it, you know, for people watching on YouTube just so they can kind of see it a little bit as I am talking through this. Uh, and that's what I'm going to bring up right now. So you should be able to see the tears uh, right now. So let's kind of get right into it. Uh, and start talking about it. So let's talk about the quarterbacks first here. And when I look at this, for me, tier one is Anthony Richardson, obviously drafted by the Colts. You know, to me, we're talking about a guy that I think his upside this year could be a QB one. And we're talking about a guy that if he hits his ceiling, I think we're talking about him the same way we're talking about guys like for fantasy, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. So, like, I think this guy's, you know, I think his ceiling is higher for fantasy than a guy like Joe Burrow or or Justin Herbert, even though those guys, you know, are extremely talented and might be better NFL quarterbacks. I think the ceiling on Anthony Richardson, if he hits it in a couple of years, could be a, to be a top five quarterback. And I think he could immediately be a QB1 this year because of that. So, for me... He's in his own tier in the quarterbacks uh, for this draft class. I've gone on record, and I will continue to say that, you know, all things being equal, I would take Anthony Richardson with the 1.01 pick in a dynasty rookie draft that was super flex. I would take Anthony Richardson arguably second or third in non-super flex, and that would strictly be, do I need a running back to take Jameer Gibbs or do I need a quarterback? And then I would have Anthony Richardson at, you know, at number two. So Anthony Richardson either going first or second in Superflex or second or third in, in you know, non-Superflex drafts makes him in a tier of his own at the quarterback position. 
tier two for me is, is the other two first round quarterbacks, and that's Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Now, we do have Young ahead of Stroud within that tier, and that's just, you know, a little bit personal preference in terms of uh, I like Young's game a little bit better on film. I, I like the problem solving, and I do like this situation that he ended up in a little bit better. I, I like Frank Reich as the coach. I think Carolina <clears throat> is going to put him in every opportunity to be successful. I think you should expect to see them, you know, put him in a situation where I think they they're going to understand how to maximize his strengths and minimize his weaknesses. And then T.J. Stroud, you know, listen, he's going to get every opportunity. I think he'll be the starter right out of the gate. You know, they have some guys at wide receiver, but, you know, they're missing a big-time guy there as well. Obviously, John Mechie coming back from his situation. Nico Collins, they drafted Tank Dell, who I'm a big fan of. Good running game. So I like, I don't think there's a huge difference. I don't think either of these guys who are going to run for more than like 250 yards, if that, in a season. I, I think Bryce Young has got the ability to move around the pocket, but it's going to be more to buy time that Perot than it is going to be picking up rushing yards. And I think C.J. Stroud showed a little bit more of that in that game against Georgia that I think he could even be a little bit of a surprise. But I don't think these guys are going to do much for fantasy that really moves the needle in terms of their rushing capabilities. You know, a, a thing here or there. But these guys are going to, if they're going to be high-level fantasy people, they're going to be people who end up eventually throwing for 35, you know, touchdowns. That's how they get there. If not, their ceiling is probably somewhere... You know, between low QB1 to like mid QB2, that's probably their ceiling, to be honest with you, unless they really become like an elite level, you know, 35 to 40 touchdown type of guy. Because the way fantasy is now, if you're if you're not going to do much on the ground with your, your legs, you're going to have to put up prolific passing stats to be a top five guy. And I'm not sure either of them get there. So I, I think they should be in the same tier. You know, in, in my one rookie draft, uh, in my rookie draft that I've done, uh, they've gone off the board within, within like, I think it was like five picks, four picks. And I think that's about right. Uh, you know, I think obviously in super flex drafts, I think you can make the case that they should both go in the top five. Uh whether you want to say Gibbs before them or not, I think it depends on your needs. But I think, you know, Richardson, Young, Stroud, Gibbs, and Bijan should make up your top five in Superflex leagues. Uh, I think when you're talking about one quarterback league, a lot of it depends on the size. Is it a 16-team league? Is it a 12? If it's 12, I think they're probably both, you know, round two guys, early to mid-round two if you need a, that. If it's like 16-team, I think you start getting into a situation where, Probably even in one quarterback leagues are pretty valuable. So you probably see those guys go, you know, somewhere between like 1.11 and 1.14 or something along those lines, 1.15 for there. So I I think they're very much in the same tier. You know, we'll kind of, I think how they, you know, where they go from here, I think is a lot with their surroundings, supporting cast, you know, who makes the first move between Carolina and Houston. You know, to get a bona fide number one wide receiver, can Jonathan Mingo materialize into that to be determined? I don't. I don't really think that's his profile. You know, obviously Carolina won't have a first round pick next year. Houston gave up their own, but they still have Cleveland, so we'll see. Uh, tier three for me at the quarterbacks, it's Will Levis. To me, I don't have Hendon Hooker in that tier because I think the weight on Hendon Hooker. I like Hendon Hooker's skill set more, but for fantasy, I think Will Levis has some rushing capabilities. 
a guy that could run for more than Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I think he could be like a 350 to 400 yards rushing type of guy and be a weapon near the red zone. So I think he could add a little bit more. But the reason why I have him in tier three and then Hendon Hooker in tier four is I just think that it could be a while before Hendon Hooker gets an opportunity. I know he's already an older prospect, but if Jared Goff has a really good year this year, I'm not sure they're going to pull the plug on Jared Goff. And then if they give him a new contract, you're talking Hooker might never get a chance to start in Detroit, or if it does, it's years down the line or an injury to Goff or something like that. I think I think Will Levis is going to get a chance to start by the middle of the season unless the Titans you know, overplay expectations again. So... For me, that's the tier difference between them that Will Levis, I think, is going to get an opportunity much earlier than Hendon Hooker. Obviously, his draft capital is better, too. They have more incentive to to see who he is and what he is and if he could be their next franchise quarterback, where the Lions, where they got him in the third round, could easily say, listen, you know, Goff's the guy. He could be developed into the backup. You know, plans change, and I don't think they'll force the situation. So, to me, that's how I kind of see that. Tier 5. Uh, is the guys who came off the board, you know, on day three, Jaron Hall out of Minnesota, Jake Hayner out of New Orleans, Stetson Bennett to the Rams, and Aiden O'Connell to the, the, the Raiders. I did not re-rank that or mix that up since right after the draft when I did my Dynasty Rookie Rankings episode. So that's the status quo there. Uh, they would make up my Tier 5. Tier 6 uh, would be Doran Thompson-Robinson and Clayton Toon. Uh and Tanner McGee, Max Dugan, and Sean Clifford. Uh, the only reason why Dorian Thompson Robinson is at the top of tier six and not in tier five is just because I just don't see them, you know, not giving Deshaun Watson years. So Deshaun Watson's going to be the quarterback of the Browns for, you know, three years minimum based on that contract and stuff. So I don't see a path for Dorian Thompson Robinson to get a shot. The other guys all have a scenario where they could get a shot as soon as later this year or by the following year. So that's the, the little bit difference there. Uh, and then Clayton Toon, Tanner McKee, Max Dugan, Sean Clifford just kind of round out the quarterbacks. So those are my quarterback tiers. Again, Anthony Richardson in his own tier, tier one, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud in tier two, Will Levis tier three, Hendon Hooker tier four, Jaron Hall, Jay Kaner, Stetson Bennett, Aiden O'Connell tier five, and then the rest of the guys make up my tier six. Let's take this over to the running back position. Running back position, I have the top two guys in separate tiers because I do think there's a distinction, right? To me, B. John Robinson, if you want to make the case in a super flex league that B. John Robinson should go 1.01, I think it's a strong argument. I think, you know, I, I know I'm going to own B. John Robinson in redraft leagues this year. To me, I think I would take him over every other running back not named Christian McCaffrey. So for me, it, you know, you have those elite wide receivers at the top, Justin Jefferson, you know, Jamar Chase. I, I think I'd go out on a limb. I think B. John Robinson could be the number one player in fantasy football this year. So like for me, he's in his he's in his own tier in terms of these rookies. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, compared to the other running backs, in his own tier. So for me, it's B. John Robinson, tier one, Jameer Gibbs, tier two. Now, tier three for me is... Three guys, and most people are not going to have it ranked like this. I have Devin A-Chain, you know, the first in tier three. Then I have Kendry Miller. Obviously, A-Chain got drafted by the Dolphins, Kendry Miller by the Saints, and then Zach Charbonnet out of Seattle. Now, my overall ranks, I have been willing to succumb a little bit to Zach Charbonnet, even though I I, I think there's a big distinction between him and Kenneth Walker's skill set. I don't like to use my own personal bias too much in rankings. 
I was not a big Charbonnet fan. I thought he was a, a late round three type talent. I thought he was very similar to like an AJ Dillon with less athleticism or Brian Robinson with similar athleticism. Like that's kind of what I thought Charbonnet is. So like I thought he was going to be more of a late round three you know, early round four guy when this whole pre-draft process started. And then obviously he goes much higher and the Seahawks obviously made a big investment in him. So I don't want to act like I know for sure what their plans are. I think Kenneth Walker is a better talent, but, but I have moved him up a little bit in my overall ranks just to kind of say, listen, he has the draft capital. They like him. Maybe there's more to the story. That maybe they have concerns about Kent Walker. Maybe they want it to be an even timeshare. Maybe they think Charbonnet's better, you know, within the red zone. And if they split 50-50 and Charbonnet's more of the guy in the red zone, well, that could skew things towards Charbonnet and he could be more valuable. Uh, so I have moved Charbonnet up a little bit in my overall big board. He's still not in my top 12. I would not even contemplate him in, in my first top 12. Maybe if it was a non-super flex, I would. But in two quarterback or super flex, I would not consider Zach Charbonnet uh, in the first round. But like by that 14-15 range, that's kind of where I'm thinking about him in a super flex setting. But I still would rather gamble on A-Chain or Kendry Miller. Uh, I've talked a lot about Kendry Miller. I think... Alvin Kamara, I think this will be his last year there. He might be suspended this year for six games as well. I think they envision Kendrick Miller as potentially being the starter or the, or the lead back of a committee, possibly by next year. I like the skill set of Kendrick Miller. And then Devin Chain is going to be a part of a committee, but his home run hitting ability, the scheme fit, there was no other offensive player we talked about this with the Giants and Deontay Banks, you know, was the perfect scheme fit on the defensive side with Wink Marindale. That was the best scheme fit on the defensive side. The best scheme fit in the entire draft on the offensive side of the ball was Devin Chain to Miami. Uh, I just think he's a guy who is going to surprise people. I think he showed the ability to handle a heavier workload this year. And even if that's not what they're going to use him for with that team and the, the, uh, what the defenses have to do in terms of giving attention towards Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, I think it's going to open up rushing lanes for Devin A-Chain. You're going to see him get on the perimeter, and you're going to see 50-yard touchdown runs at times. So I, I'm really a fan. I've always been a fan of Devin A-Chain. He was my locked-in number three running back in this class. I'm not moving off of that. Uh, if we take this down to Tier 4, Tier 4 for me is made up with the other day two running backs, and that was Tank Bigsby out of Jacksonville, uh, Roshan uh, Johnson, who actually went early day three in round four, and then Ty J Spears, who went round three with Tennessee. You know, those guys all got, there's all level of questions with those guys, right? What's the envisioned role for Tank Bigsby? Do they want it to be 50-50 with, Tra- with Travis Etienne? Do they want it to be 60-40? What is his role? Is he going to be the goal line guy and then the early down, you know, part-time guy? So he has good draft capital. I believe in the talent a lot. Tank Bigsby was my number four running back. So I like him a lot, but but the uncertainty of, of what exactly he was more towards the latter part of round three, you know, so it doesn't mean that they have big pit plans for him in terms of like they want him to be an equal with Ethan or eventually, you know, more. I, I, I don't think we could say that. So Bigsby for me, I have Roshan Johnson ahead of Ty J Spears only because we don't know how long Derrick Henry is going to be there. They just drafted Hassan uh, Haskins last year. While I didn't love Haskins, I like Ty J Spears much better. But they didn't make it a decent investment in Haskins last year. Henry's still there. There's these injury concerns about Ty J Spears not having an ACL or cartilage in one of his knees. So even if he does, even if Derrick Henry does move on or is traded or whatever, 
how what's the Ty J Spears work you know load going to look like? Is it going to be a fifty fifty split? Is it going to you know they might have just looked at him as a guy who could add a dynamic you know pass catching and space player, but if he doesn't get the if he doesn't get a decent amount of carries. You know, like I think A Chain's gonna get at least those twelve touches, and maybe that's eventually Ty J Spears' role also. But I just think there's more uncertainty with Spears. When does he get twelve to thirteen touches a game? I think Devin A Chain could theoretically get that this year. You know, when does Ty J Spears get that? How long does he hold up for? So to me, there's more question marks there. Uh, so for me, tier four: Bigsby, Roshan, and Ty J Spears. Tier five: only two players in it because I do think it's sep- these two separate themselves for the rest of the guys. And there's really some intriguing upside with both Chase Brown, uh, who got drafted by the Bengals, and Eric Gray out of the Giants. You know, we don't know Joe Mixon's status definitively even yet for this year, and we sure, you know, we definitely don't know for you know, long-term, if he's going to be there more than this year, you know, so can Chase Brown maybe carve out a role and an opportunity there? And and could he theoretically seize the backfield when the time comes for Joe Mixon to leave? And then on the flip side, Eric Gray, I think Saquon will be back this year, whether it's the tag, whether it is, you know, uh, reach a long-term extension, but let's say it is the tag and, or they just do something where they give him a little bit more money for this year than the tag. We don't know, you know, what the Giants think of Eric Gray. If Saquon's not there long-term, maybe Eric Gray's got an opportunity. So I think Brown and Eric Gray, to me, with with fifth-round draft capital and uncertain running back situations. Now, if Saquon signs a long-term extension, i probably drop Eric Gray down to the next tier, and i keep Chase Brown kind of alone in that. Because if Saquon signs a contract, my guess is he's going to be here minimum two more years, most likely three years in New York. So at that point, then, Eric Gray's just a backup part-time so he drops that he would drop down to the next tier of, of a little bit more later round guys who were you're just kind of taking a stash on and stuff so so that would be kind of how that plays itself out tier six for me interesting tier here uh this is the way i have it ranked within the tier i have zach evans from the rams chris rodriguez uh for the commanders Dwayne mcbride from minnesota israel abacan to the jets and evan hall of the colts for me zach evans while he was a sixth round pick I think the opportunity is there for him to seize that. So I'm intrigued by him. I don't think they're all that much committed to Cam Akers. Chris Rodriguez has been generating a little buzz. I know Scott Barrett over at Fantasy Points has been talking him up a little bit. And, you know, the the commanders have came out and said that they had a third-round grade on him. You know, we know Antonio Gibson was in and out of the doghouse last year. So that's something to follow closely. You know, Who's to say that they don't look at Chris Rodriguez and think he's as skilled as Brian Robinson who they drafted in the third round? And then, you know, they look at him as very comparable to Robinson. I don't think that's far-fetched. The way McBride with the Vikings, this is all dependent upon whether or not, you know, if Dalvin Cook was traded or released after June 1st, the way McBride's going to jump up to Tier 5 for me uh, with an arrow screaming even further up. Now, if Dalvin Cook's going to play this whole year, you know, he probably stays where he is because I don't see Cook being there for more than this year. Uh, so there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding McBride. Abaconda, I love the talent, and he does he does have fifth-round draft capital. You know, but, you know, they have a lot of guys there with the Jets. So I think, you know, I think Breeds Hall is going to be a flat-out superstar running back. So it's hard to, to you know, believe Abaconda is going to carve out uh, much of a role. And they also have, you know, Michael Carter and Zonovan Bam Knight was good last year and, you know, they were looking at Jameer Gibbs potentially if he fell to their pick at 15. So, you know, who's to say that they don't even add another guy at some point down the line 
uh, if they were thinking about adding Jameer Gibbs. So I think Abakanda, intriguing skill set, but he's got to be a little bit down there. And then same thing with Evan Hull. I put him in this tier, but Abakanda and, and, and Hull could even be at the top of the next tier, to be honest with you, because I just don't see a scenario where those guys are fantasy viable without injuries. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to be the workhorse guy there. I don't think they're going to get enough from a second running back to be fantasy viable. Same thing with Abakanda in the Jets. So that's why those guys are at the bottom of my tier six. Uh, if we take this to my tier seven, Deuce Vaughn out of Dallas, Sean Tucker, undrafted free agent who signed with Tampa Bay, Keaton Mitchell, undrafted free agent who signed with the Ravens, Kenny McIntosh, who was a seventh round pick to Seattle, Lou Nichols, uh, late round pick to Green Bay, and then a whole bunch more of undrafted guys that I put here to see kind of what happens in the rest of summer. Daenerys Prince, Kansas City, Muhammad Ibrahim, Detroit, uh, Jalil McLaughlin, Denver, Tion Evans, Rams, Xavier Valade, Houston, Travis Dye, the Jets, Cam Peoples, Carolina, and Sir Roderick Thompson, New Orleans. Those guys make up my tier seven. I think the summer... And the training camps and stuff, we'll see if any of these undrafted guys can maybe even hop up a tier based on positive reports, based on, you know, maybe there's a surprise cut somewhere along the way. You know, we'll kind of see how how things shake out there. Uh, But those are the backs that make up my tier seven. If we keep this going uh, and next talk about my wide receiver tiers, for me, Jackson Smith and the Jigba sits alone in my tier one. I know right out of the gate, maybe he's not a very fantasy viable guy. You know, even if he catches 70 passes, what's the yardage total going to be like? They have DK Metcalf. They have Tyler Lockett. So I don't expect him to be the best year one rookie wide receiver. But I think his ceiling is far superior than the other guys. You know, if he has 115 catch season, if he has a, you know, a great season, I, I could totally see him having an elite level season at some point. His route running, his quickness, his change of direction, all that stuff. So for me, he sits in his own tier. He's the only other guy that if, if somebody wanted to make a strong argument to take Jackson Smith and the Jigba instead of Jameer Gibbs, I can get behind it. After that, I can't get behind it under any circumstance to think about a guy like Addison or Flowers over over the running back in Gibbs. Uh, Jackson's making the jig, but to me, has wide receiver one or you know high to mid wide receiver two fantasy value. I don't think any other wide receiver in this class uh, is ends up being better than like a low wide receiver, low to mid wide receiver two in best case scenario. But Smith and the Jigba ceiling is higher than that. Tier two for me might be surprise some people. It only has two names, not three names. The two names in tier two, Jordan Addison, uh, who got drafted by the Vikings, who will step right in there and start opposite uh, Justin Jefferson. And then Zay Flowers to Baltimore. Uh, I think by next year, Rashad Bateman could be off the team. OBJ is signed to a one-year deal. I think there's an opening for Zay Flowers to seize the the lead role in that you know wide receiver room sooner rather than later. Uh, I think Baltimore is going to be a very different offense. Todd Munkin as the OC now. I think you're going to see Lamar Rowe more. I think you'll see Baltimore open it up more. And I think they probably have big plans for Zay Flowers. They could have went corner help or, or defensive help there. They chose to, you know, get another weapon there for Lamar Jackson because I think they see, yeah, they have Mark Andrews. But what else besides that is locked in? It doesn't seem like Bateman is there for the long haul, OBJ, one-year deal. You know, he's going to follow the money, I think, at this point in his career. Uh, so for me, those are the two guys. And some people might be right away saying, well, where's Quinton Johnston? He was drafted one pick ahead of those two guys. For me, he he's in my tier three. My tier three is made up of two names. 
It was either going to be Quinton Johnson at the end of Tier 2 and then Jonathan Mingo in his own tier, or Quinton Johnson and Jonathan Mingo together in Tier 3. That's where I went. Uh, I don't have Addison. I have Addison and Flowers with then a tight end mixed in before Quinton Johnson and then Mingo. So for me, to me, Quinton Johnson, Mingo more are a tier for myself where the ceiling of Addison and Flowers I think is higher. I, I had my questions about Quinton Johnston. Doesn't play up to his size. Didn't run nearly as fast as people thought he was going to run. Uh, not Doesn't have great hands. Doesn't dominate the catch point. Rat refinement needed. Uh, so there's some question marks there for Quinton Johnston. I, I think I, I still thought he warranted going late round one, early to mid round two. He was my sixth wide receiver in this draft class. Uh, you know, so I... For me, I'm more intrigued with Mingo, but the draft capital obviously is very heavily on Quinton Johnston. Uh, you know, so I, I do have him ahead in my tier three, but I do think Quinton Johnson and Jonathan Mingo very close for me. Mingo, I think, is just going to be used so much. I think he's going to be a great fit with Bryce Young. I really like Jonathan Mingo. In, in one of my rookie drafts that I completed, I did get Jonathan Mingo. Uh, to me, he should be going right there behind a guy like Quinton Johnston right there, either before or after Dalton Kincaid, depending on the league settings and stuff like that. But I think they ha- they're going to have a big role for John Domingo, and I think he could seize it. And they don't have much there. Adam Thielen is more, you know, a guy, just a reliable veteran presence at this point. DJ Chark has really only had one good season in his career. Uh, he had speed on the outside, but I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna get the ball at John Domingo's hands a lot and do a lot of different things with John Domingo. So I think he's gonna have some redraft value this year, and I think you could quickly see him be a dynasty factor. Uh, based on how much they're going to want to get him the football and the lack of weapons they have there. They also won't have a first-round pick next year due to the trade-up to get Bryce Young. You know, So they're not going to be looking at a star wide receiver in round one. Maybe they go back to the well and get another round two guy, but that's not going to give him any more of a leg up on Jonathan Mingo either. My tier four is wide because I think there's not a lot separating the following wide receivers who all came off the board on day two. Uh, my tier four kicks off with Jaden Reed out of Green Bay. He had the best draft capital of any of these guys in this tier. Uh, Green Bay made a big investment. I think he's quickly going to play. I think he's going to be a starting slot wide receiver. And sooner rather than later, he's going to play with Christian Watson in two wide sets. I think he's a more talented player than Romeo Dobbs. I know Matt Harmon's been waxing poetically in terms of how impressive he was in terms of reception perception. I've been saying since the whole pre-draft process and during the season and last summer, I love the three... Uh, level skill set of Jaden Reed. He can win short and then after the catch. He can win in the intermediate because of his crisp route running, and he also has the speed to win vertically. He's a he's a, a great return guy, so he's great in the open field. I really like Jaden Reed. I got him in that other draft that I was saying where I got John Domingo as well. Uh, so for me, he sits atop my tier four. Josh Downs out of Indianapolis. I know he went, he fell a lot further than I thought he was going to fall. So I think it's a little rich to have a guy taken where he was in round three, as high as I do in my wide receiver rankings. But it's kind of a weird year. Like there wasn't, a, you know, like these, there was Jaden Reed. And then much later in round two, there was Rishi Rice. And then at the end of the round, there was Marvin Mims. And, and then there was a little bit of a run there, you know, in, you know, the middle to latter part of, of round three. So, I went on my film eval and the fact that I think he fits perfectly in Indianapolis. He can quickly become a favorite of Anthony Richardson. The scheme that they want to run there, I could see 
Josh Downs, you know, being a guy that they lean on heavily there. So I'm interested to kind of see Josh Downs was my third favorite wide receiver in this draft class. It was Jackson Smith, the Jigba. It was Zay Flowers. And then I like Josh Downs more than I like Jordan Addison. So part of me ranking him where I do was was how much I liked him pre-draft. I don't think there's much draft capital separation between these guys. I think he's quickly going to materialize into their starting slot. And I think he's a, I think he's going to be a better NFL player than Alec Pierce, you know. So they got Michael Pittman. I think Josh Downs could quickly become the second guy they target there in that offense. Uh, I have Jalen Hyatt next. Uh, out of you know, obviously drafted by the Giants. Like to me, this was a guy. If he would have went late round one, nobody would have been surprised. A video that's came out since basically said the Giants were going to take him in the second round if John Michael Schmidt was picked before their pick. They were okay with taking him there. They moved up aggressively in the third round. I think they got plans for him. I think they got plans for him. I think they can. They think he can run a more versatile route tree. And even if not, I think they can put him in in the right situations to be effective in the routes that he can run well as he continues to develop and refine. Uh, I just love betting in the kid's talent, the speed, the athleticism, and then the the. Giants offense, you know, led by Dable and Kafka in terms of scheming things open. I think Jalen Hyatt, you know, could really surprise some people. Uh, so he's third in that tier four, followed by Rishi Rice, went to Kansas City, then Marvin Mims, then Tank Dell, and then Cedric Tillman. Listen, Rishi Rice maybe has the highest ceiling of any wide receiver in this tier, maybe even a higher ceiling than, than Jonathan Mingo, uh, p- paired with Patrick Mahomes. But I, I will say the same thing I said last year. We pushed up Sky Moore way too high last year. We're not pushing Rishi Rice up there. And I pushed back last year and said, be careful with pushing him up that much. Coming from a small school, I think the hype has gotten a little bit too much with Sky Moore. I'm going to say the same thing about Rishi Rice. Nobody leading up to the draft had him as a round two player anymore. Nobody. I study everybody's rankings. I look at every mock draft of, of people that I feel are reliable to help me have a pulse on everything for the draft projections notebook. Nobody had Rishi Rice as a, as a guy they thought was going to go in the top, you know, 60 picks of this draft as a second round talent. I saw the best I saw for him was round three, round three, round four. That was where people had Rishi Rice, you know, during the season, you heard some day two, you heard some round two buzz. Then, as the season wore on and the pre-draft process started, it was mostly round three, round four. I think if the Chiefs don't take him there, he definitely probably falls into round three. It sounds like sounds like Mahomes was pushing for him, which is enough of a reason to push him up even higher in this tier. I know people who would have him at the top of this tier, people who I trust, people who I respect. You know, their takes and their opinions would have him at the top of this tier because of, you know, the connection to Mahomes, the late round two draft capital. For me, I I believe too much in the talent of Reed, Downs, and Hyatt, and I think their landing spots are all very good as well. Obviously, they're not in the prolific offense that Rishi Rice would be, but I also think there's a lot of mouths there to feed. Sky Moore was was picked higher than Rishi Rice last year in the second round. They traded a third-round pick for Kadarius Toney because they still looked at him as a borderline round one, round two type talent. Uh, they still have Marcus Valdez-Scantling. The offense still runs through uh, Travis Kelsey. They use a tremendous amount of two tight ends. So you're going to see like Noah Gray a lot. So I, I, I get the why people want to have him high, but... Coming from SMU, not didn't really perform great, you know, didn't really ever have to go up against top level cornerbacks. 
You know, so I, I think there's some question marks there. You know, Mims, if he ended up in a different situation, right now we got to see kind of how that situation in Denver plays out. Did they sign any of them long-term? Did they trade any of them? I don't think Cortland Sutton's going to be there long. I think I could see them running with Judy, re-signing him, and then Marvin Mims, and that being their one-two duo. I kind of think Russell Wilson is just about done. So then this quarterback questions there, offensive, you know, questions, I think. So, you know, Marvin Mims, again, Talent-wise, I like Marvin Mims more than Jaden Reed, more than Jalen, uh, more than uh, more than Jaden Reed, and more than Rishi Rice for sure. Not as much as I like Josh Downs, not as much as I like Jalen Hyatt. Uh, so he could be a little bit higher up on film evals, but the landing spot kind of puts him there. And then I think people are sleeping on Tank Dell. I, I really do think people are sleeping on Tank Dell. I think he should be right there with these other guys. I know he's an outlier size-wise, but I think. Him and TJ Stroud, you know, Stroud was really pushing for this pick. They want to use him, I think, on the outside. They envision him to be like a Hollywood Brown type player. I could see that. Nobody could cover him in college. If he can get off press, I, and then how often are people going to want to press him? He's so quick. He's so fast. You know, teams might not be as willing, even though he's a smaller player. So, you know, I like Tank Dell. And then Cedric Tillman out of Cleveland. I think in a year from now, Amari Cooper could be moved on due to a cap casualty. And they could theoretically be looking at a, you know, a starting wide receiver duo of Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman. So all of these guys, I think, could really be shuffled. I, I think Reed with the draft capital and, and the versatility, to me, puts him at the top of that. Uh, and then I went downs and high it before the rest of these guys. But you could really mix and match this tier. Uh, they all should be drafted within like 10 picks of each other, right? There's six names. Uh, there's seven names right there. I think within 10 to 12 picks of each other. Obviously, some other guys will be sprinkled in. They're all going to go. There might be a round separation, but that's only because other people are going tight ends. And, you know, there's some, there's those, you know, round three running backs like Biz, Bigsby and Spears that will kind of be mixed in here. But these guys, while it may seem like they're not all in the same tier, I kind of think they are. And I, I, I kind of think other people will be thrown into the mix. So I think on your draft, they might spread out over 12, 14 picks. But I don't think they're that different. So I would really, whoever is the one or two that falls, I'd be aggressive to try to go get them because they're probably going to fall further than they should where the first or second name in this tier came off the board. And then this the way kind of things unfolded. Some of these guys are going to fall a little bit because the tier is so wide. If we take this to Tier 4, Tier 4 just has three names in it for me. Uh, that is Michael Wilson, who was a third-round draft pick to the Arizona Cardinals, and then two fourth-round wide receiver draft picks. The only two, I think, who went in the fourth round were Charlie Jones uh, to the Bengals and Tyler Scott to the Bears. I've I've been on record. To me, Charlie Jones and Tyler Scott, they're going to be your Tyler, Board, Tyler Boyd and Darnell Mooney replacements a year from now, where those teams can invest money in another guy you know, I think Chicago will probably re-sign Chase Claypool based on the draft capital they gave up. They're paying DJ Moore off after that trade, a good contract. Uh, Bengals, if they find a way to keep T. Higgins, obviously they're going to give a mega contract to Jamar Chase when that's up. And then I don't see them keeping Tyler Boyd. He'll get more opportunities somewhere else. So I could see Charlie Jones within a year from now being the third wide receiver attached to Joe Burrow. I could see Tyler Scott being the third uh, wide receiver attached to uh, Justin Fields. So I like both of these guys. I give Michael Wilson the slight edge on them because it is some uncertainty, right? For Tyler Scott to really materialize, I think Darnell Mooney probably has to leave. For Charlie Jones to be viable in fantasy, I think Tyler Boyd has to leave. In the Arizona situation, 
They got Hollywood Brown. I think this would be DeAndre Hopkins' last year there. I'd be surprised he might even be traded before the season or early in the season or before the deadline. So that might open up Michael Wilson. So they're a little bit better draft capital uh, than maybe immediate. But to me, those guys are very much intertwined. You can make the case to draft Charlie Jones or Tyler Scott before Michael Wilson, and I don't think it's crazy. Uh, I think you could shuffle those three up in my Tier 4. If we take this to Tier 5, now we're talking about uh, one late round three guy who I put here because I think the role is uncertain at this point. And then a couple of guys taken uh, in the fifth round or early sixth round. This tier starts out with Trey Tucker, who was drafted by the Raiders the end of round three. What's their role for him? Do they look at him as an eventual starting slot? Do they think they look at him as a premier return man, uh, you know, with manufactured touches? I don't, we don't know the role. This could be the one that's wrong. Maybe he belongs at the top of tier four, ahead of Michael Wilson, ahead of Charlie Jones, ahead of Tyler Scott. If they move on from Hunter Renfro, you know, or trade him, and then he's going to be their starting slot, he's got to jump up a full tier. I just heard, you know, Trey Tucker in a full, you know, dynasty rookie draft, six rounds, IDP, you know, go 16 teams. And he, he went, he was one of the last picks taken. I think that I just, I had drafted four rookie wide receivers already, which is the reason why I didn't pull the trigger. But I mean, he should not be going after round six wide receivers. He was a round three wide receiver. This isn't Darius Davis, who the Chargers drafted solely, I think, to be a return specialist and a manufactured touch guy. Trey Tucker was a legitimate wide receiver prospect. Most people thought he was going to go round four or round five, not round three. But who's to say they don't envision Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers on the outside and Hunter Renfro on the inside? But what if they trade Hunter Renfro? And it opens up the possibility for Trey Tucker to be there to be more involved sooner rather than later. What if they move on for Devontae Adams at some point and get a haul in a trade for him? It might open up the, just the target share opportunity. So, so keep an eye on Trey Tucker. Don't let him fall to the end of the drafts. Don't be taking round six wide receivers ahead of Trey Tucker. I think that's a fool's gold it doesn't matter anymore what we thought about Keishon Booty. It doesn't matter anymore what we thought about A.T. Perry. Who are the two of the next guys in this tier with Puka Nakua? It goes Trey Tucker, Puka Nakua, A.T. Perry, and Keishon Booty. But here's the thing. Nakua, I can kind of understand. Fifth round, Rams wide receiver room, wide open. So I get that. But the Saints wide receiver depth chart, not that open. The the Patriots, pretty crowded, knowing high-end talent, but but guys. Booty fell, A.T. Perry fell. You know, the Raiders were willing to take Trey Tucker in the third round. I think that says something. So to me, Tier 5 is made up of Tucker, Nakua, A.T. Perry, and Keishon Booty. I think Nakua can get a chance sooner rather than later with that Rams lack of weapons there in terms of their wide receivers. Trey Tucker, I think he needs Hunter Renfro you know, to, to be moved on before he gets an opportunity to be a, a, a significant player in the slot there. And then A.T. Perry, Keishon Booty are two six-round wide receivers that are interesting dynasty stashes, but should be drafted as that. And I'm, see, I'm seeing Keishon Booty go much higher than he should be going. And I just think it's name value. And, and I think this isn't the thing that he fell there solely because of like an off the field. This is more talent-based of why he fell there. Not as high, not as tall as we thought. Didn't weigh as much. Not as fast. Not as athletic. It, the list goes on and on. Didn't dominate like we expected. So I think that's why uh, he is where he, he was. That's why he was drafted where he was. Don't overvalue him in fantasy. Tier six of the wide receivers. 
bunch of round six, round seven type guys. Justin Shorter at Buffalo, who actually was late round five. Uh, Dontavian Wicks, Green Bay. Trey Palmer, Tampa Bay. Parker Washington, Jacksonville. Xavier Hutchinson, Houston. Andrea Sovis, Cincinnati. Shorter's interesting there because, you know, Gabe Davis hasn't materialized like they have wanted him to. There was a little bit of rumblings about Stefan Diggs, maybe not wanting to be in Buffalo anymore. That kind of died out. Uh, Justin Shorter was once upon a time a big, big time five-star recruit. Uh, so there was some talent there. We'll see if he gets an opportunity. Dontavian Wicks in Green Bay, pretty crowded depth chart now. You know, they drafted Watson and Dobbs last year. They drafted Jaden Reed rounds earlier. They took two tight ends on day two. Uh, but Wicks is a guy who some people thought could be around for round four guy. He falls a little bit further. Uh, we'll see there. Trey Palmer, some people thought, you know, early round four. Uh, former five-star recruit, very explosive. And let's be honest, I don't think Mike Evans is going to be there much longer. Uh, you know, so there's an opportunity for a guy taking, you know, later on date for Reed to maybe move up the depth chart. So that's where I would say Trey Palmer. Parker Washington in Jacksonville, I think it's going to be tough for him to really materialize into anything there besides the depth piece and more depth slot receiver only. Uh, you know, they have a lot of weapons there now. Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, you know, I think that's going to make up the bulk of it, but that's where I would put Parker Washington if the opportunity arose. Xavier Hutchinson, I wasn't a big fan of him. I had separation questions with him, but Houston's depth chart wide open there. They have guys, but no one, you know, who has solidified themselves. So keep an eye on him. And then Andreas Sovis, similar. What if, what if T. Higgins does leave? That's the wild card. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit before you know, about Charlie Jones, but then I saw this is an interesting guy who could be more on the outside. Well, what if they do not resign T Higgins? Can he, can the smaller school player out of Princeton develop and work his way up? I think it's something to follow closely. Tier seven made up a bunch of, you know, UDFA or late round guys. I have Bryce Ford Whedon, uh, who went undrafted free agent to the Giants, Darius Davis, you know, fourth round pick to the Chargers. We'll see if it's just, you know, more of a special teams thing or manufactured touches or do they envision a role down the line? The Mario Douglas Patriots, Raheem Jarrett, uh, Tampa Bay. He's an undrafted free agent who former five-star recruit. Keep an eye on him. Colton Dowell, Tennessee, small school player, but, you know, depth chart wide open there. Jacob Copeland, he was a UDFA prospect for Tennessee, picked, scooped up. He was interesting. I thought he could have went round five, round six. Couple uh, seventh round guys: Ronnie Bell to the 49ers, Antoine Green to the Lions, Jalen Brooks to Dallas, Grant Dubo to Green Bay, and then some more UDFA guys to round out the tier: Joseph Nagata, Philadelphia, Matt Lander, Seattle, Dante Demas Jr., Baltimore, Jalen Wayne, Buffalo, and Jalen Moreno, Cropper, Dallas. Let's end the night talking some tight ends. Pretty easy here. Tier one for me is Dalton Kincaid. He's in his own tier. If you tell me one of these tight ends has top five tight end potential, Kincaid's the only one I'm putting on that list. I like Laporta. Uh, I like Michael Mayer. They're my next tier. But Kincaid in the next is the guy that I think intrigues me the most to reach his fantasy ceiling. But there's another guy that in three years could take a while. I think has the highest upside of anyone. Now, he's got refinement and development needed, so that's why I couldn't feel comfortable putting him in Tier 1. But I, I snuck him in in Tier 2 with Laporta and Mayer. I think Musgrave deserves to be in the conversation right there with those two. I think he's got more upside than those two. I think he's got better pass-catching upside. I think he's, he's a better athlete than those two. Laporta's a really good athlete himself. I think Musgrave could be was an elite athlete, 
could be a guy who becomes an elite weapon that you could literally make him one of the focal points of your offense. That's how much I like Luke Musgrave. So for me, tier two is Laporta, Michael Mayer, Luke Musgrave. Most people have Musgrave further down or in the, in the next tier uh, and not where they have Laporta and Mayer. I think he belongs right there with that. I know they draft the Tucker Craft around later, so maybe I think that's some of the reservation, but I believe in the talent of Luke Musgrave to believe in him as much as Laporta and Michael Mayer. I mean, he went early second round, guys. You know, all of them went early second round. Within 10 picks or so, I think all of them came off the board on round two. That's good draft capital for all of those guys. You know, that's better than all the tight ends last year. That's better than tight ends in other draft classes. So I think Green Bay really, really likes Luke Musgrave. So I'm going to put him right there with Laporta and Michael Mayer. Tier three, Luke Shoemaker and Darnell Washington. Both of those guys, uh, Shoemaker was late round two. Darnell Washington was late round three, fell due to medical. The only reason why Darnell Washington is not higher is Pittsburgh has a really good young tight end in Pat Fryermuth. He's obviously a great blocker. There's still development and refinement needed in the past game. So to me, he kind of belongs in, in tier three. And I even have a guy like Luke Shoemaker, who I like Darnell Washington significantly more in film. I think Shoemaker is quickly going to take over to be the starting tight end there for Dallas. And they probably envision a role very similar to the one Dalton Schultz left behind. I think they look at Shoemaker to, to be that same style of player. So that's why I think he's going to get every opportunity early on. So I have Shoemaker ahead of Darnell Washington in my tier three. Tier four, it's the other day two uh, tight ends, uh, leaving out Cameron Latou, who was drafted late round three by the 49ers. It's Tucker Craft Green Bay, and it's Brenton Strange Jacksonville. You know, I love Luke Musgrave, but I also have to build into my ranks. What if I'm wrong? What if he can't stay healthy? What if he's not as good as I think he is? And some people love Tucker Craft. And what if Tucker Craft's better? And then all of a sudden now Tucker Craft is the guy who I think Luke Musgrave could be. And I like Tucker Craft. So I put him here because I do like the player. And, and I, you know, I, I think it's going to be Musgrave, but maybe it's not. So I have Craft there. And then Brendan Strange with the late second round pick. That's big, big, big time draft capital. You know, think about last year where Dulcich went and, and, you know, McBride last year and stuff like that. Like they were, they went where basically Brenton Strange went. And we, you know, people really were intrigued by them. Nobody's talking about Brenton Strange. And I know that they have Evan Ingram there this year, but he's playing on the franchise tag. I think people are sleeping on Brenton Strange. I think they envision him as a guy who can do more in the passing game than he, than he showed in college. Just like I think Dallas is banking on the same thing with Shoemaker. You know, so Brendan Strange is a guy who I think's fallen way too far in drafts. I think he should be very similar to, you know, I think Shoemaker in Washington I have, because we don't know Evan Ingram says. What if he has another great year and they bring him back, right? That would kill Brendan Strange's value. So that's why he's in a separate tier where Tucker Craft is, because I think there's some uncertainty there based on the, the, the people around them on the depth chart. Uh, but but don't let him get too far and start taking round six wide receivers over a round two tight end. That's that's just bad drafting in my opinion. And I don't usually say things so bluntly, but it's the truth. Like you got to play the odds. The odds of a six round wide receiver hitting and being fancy viable is minuscule. The odds of a round two tight end becoming a, at least a tight end one are 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 a lot better than a, a sixth round wide receiver or a late fifth round wide receiver becoming fantasy viable than a, a tight end taken in the second round. Tier five, it was made up of Cameron Latou, who went to the 49ers late in round three. Like the player, but obviously playing behind George Kittle. I don't think there's any viability in terms of any other tight end being valuable there. Uh, Will Mallory went to the Colts in the fifth round. Very athletic profile, very good pass catcher. Josh Wiley, another athletic, good pass catching tight end, went to Tennessee. 
And then I put Elijah Higgins here because it sure sounds like they envision him as a tight end. The wide receiver converted tight end of Stanford the, due to Dolphins. They didn't really want to make use of Mike Isecki, who was more of a wide receiver labeled a tight end. Are they going to make use of a guy like Elijah Higgins, who's basically a wide receiver you know, labeled at, potentially as a tight end? We'll see, but he's got an intriguing... All of those guys in that have intriguing pass-catching upside. Latou, Mallory, Wiley, Higgins. But whether it's depth chart, whether it's draft capital, there's question marks that I think surround all of those guys. And then to round it out, Tier 6, Payne Dorham, Tampa Bay, Davis Allen, the Rams, Zach Koontz, the Jets, Braden Willis, San Francisco. Uh, Payne Dorham's an interesting player. I don't think he's a guy who's ever going to be that good for fantasy, even if he becomes a starter. To me, at best, he'd be a low tight end, but most likely like tight end three type. Davis Allen maybe could be the heir apparent to Tyler Higby. Uh, that he was a really good, you know, uh, prospect in terms of, you know, a guy who can block and catch the ball a little bit. But again, he's down there, you know, I think it was like round six draft capital. So he didn't have great draft capital. Zach Kuntz, the athletic freak, you know, we'll see. Seventh round pick. So I think it's a long shot, but his athletic measurables make him really interesting. And then Braden Willis, more of a fullback type. Uh, he'd be rounding out tier six. So there it is, guys. My tiered. Dynasty rookie rankings uh, for the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end position. Before we call it a night, I, I do want to show you my uh, rankings tab and just show you the adjustments I made to my overall big board for Superflex. Like I said before, I did you know adjust it a little bit. I got Zach Charbonnet up to 14 because, again, I'm thinking more in like a startup scenario. Zach Charbonnet, if things break a certain way, could be an RB2. The odds... I think the ceiling case for most of these wide receivers like Jaden Reed, Josh Downs, Jalen Hyatt, Rishi Rice, Marvin Mims, the ceiling for most of those guys is probably low wide receiver two to high wide receiver for eight. And that's their ceiling cases. You know, Zach Charbonnet, he can become a running back too. And then if ever something ever happened to Ken Walker, he could be a league winner, you know, just based on the offense, you know, the scheme, the situation. I don't love the player, but there's a lot of guys who've had great RB seasons who I don't love the film on it. You know, I've never liked David Montgomery's film, but he's had really valuable seasons. So I, I kind of wanted to get Charbonnet right there with a chain and Miller. So I did that. Uh, I put Johnson and Mingo together, very similar to my tiers, separating uh, those wide receivers to the, the top three wide receivers with Dalton Kincaid. Uh, I moved up Will Levis a little bit in my rankings just because, you know, in a super flex, he has value if he becomes a starter. Uh, I had a hard time in non-tight end premium slotting in the tight ends, Laporta, Mayer, Musgrave. To me, like after number 11, I, I really do believe 12 to 23 can be mixed a lot of different ways. Do you want a tight end? Do you want a wide receiver? Do you want a running back? You know, if you're drafting with a roster already and, you know, in a rookie draft like that, I think, it, I think you could use the situations to kind of help guide you a little bit there, you know, from that 12 to even 23 range in terms of how you rank them. Uh, and then even after that, you know, Tank Dell, Cedric Tillman, Tank Bigsby, Roshan Johnson, Ty J. Spears. To me, it's a 28-person draft, and then it kind of falls out. So, like, for me, the sweet spot of this draft is, like, the middle of round two to, like, the early portion of round three. I think the value you're getting there is very comparable to late round one to mid-round two. 
and I said it when I went on the Christopher Harris Harris Football Podcast, after the top five or six guys, I don't think there's much certainty that somebody's better than anybody else. Like, look where Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers are going. I have I have Jordan Addison seventh, and I have Zay Flowers eighth. And if it wasn't super flex rankings, both of those guys would go up two spots. And they instead of being seven and eight, they'd be five and six. I'm not that certain that Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers are going to be better wide receivers than Jaden Reed, Josh Downs, Jalen Hyatt, those guys. I just not. Marvin Mims, I think Flowers and Addison are better, but I'm, I think they're better by like 60-40, 65-35. Not, not like usually I feel like in rookie drafts, Pick six, pick eight. You feel a lot better about that pick than you do like late second round, early third round. I just think the value is so close here. So I really think you want to collect picks in the middle of round two to the early portion of round three if you can. Use your picks to move up a little bit. If you have a pick later in round three, get to the beginning of round three. Give up what you have to give up to get to the early portion of round three. If there's an opportunity where you have an early second round pick or a late round one pick and you can get two picks in round two, take the two picks in round two. If you could trade an older player on your roster for a pick that can't help you in, in your rebuild, get a round two pick. Get an early round three pick. That, to me, is where there is really interesting value because the guys and players who are going to go in that early portion of round two, I mean early portion of round three, are not all that different. Even when you get to like the Tank Bigsby, Roshan Johnson, Ty J Spears, they're my 26, 27, 28. Are they really all that different than Devin A. Chain, Kendry Miller, and Zach Charbonnet, who I have as my 12, 13, 14? Not much. Draft capital is not much different for any of them except Charbonnet. A. Chain went round three. Kendry Miller went round three. Ty J Spears went round three. Tank Bigsby went round three. So you can mix and match. You can put some wide receivers over these guys. You can move up Bigsby, Johnson, you know, and 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 uh, Ty J Spears if you wanted to. Many people probably would. I still might. But this is what I'm saying. There's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of certainty in ranks. Move around the draft boards. Collect picks. Get picks in that round two to early round three because I think that's where the value is because the guys you're getting there are not going to be all that different than the people coming off the board. Pick 12, pick 13, pick 14, pick 15. They're going to be the same guys, basically. Potential ceilings and floors who you're going to get in that you know 16 to 20, you know, like I said, 26, 28 range. Uh, I don't think there's much difference between those players. I really don't. So there it is, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I love work using tiers. I love creating tiers. So I, I hope that this kind of uh, helps out a little bit in terms of, you know, maybe you, maybe you making your own tiers uh, or using my tiers as part of the way you draft. But I think tiered rankings is, is a strong way to go for rookie drafts, strong way to go for, you know, even – uh, dynasty startup drafts or redraft leagues. Uh, I think tiered rankings are, are, are very much the way you should be drafting. I think it helps you really see when a, a tier break is, is about to happen. Uh, and you can be aggressive to make sure uh, before your next pick, maybe uh, if you have to move up or, or stuff like that, or an opportunity to drop back, stuff like that, uh, you know, kind of helps you a little bit better navigate the draft if you have tiers. 
So there it is, guys. Uh, another episode in the books. Next episode, I'm going to record. We're finally going to take a look at IDP rookie rankings. I'm going to talk IDP rookie rankings, the edge position, linebacker, DBs. And I'll also talk about where I would kind of have some of those guys in my in my overall Superflex big board. You know, where would Will Anderson? Would I take him ahead of some of these running backs or wide receivers? Who would be the next guy? Where would I take Jack Campbell, right? Campbell and Will Anderson, I think, you know, should be the first two IDP rookies gone in any draft. You know, where would I be willing to to put those guys when ranking them against the offensive skill players? Then, to me, you'd see a big... I think those two guys would go somewhere in the top 28. And then I think I would go all those other skill players... And then I would, you would see those other IDP guys. But I'm going to get into all of that in the next episode. So make sure uh, you, you watch out and you're on the lookout for the following episode with talking IDP rookie rankings, talking about blended rankings, IDP, and offensive players uh, as well. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.